You're listening to another edition of the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the Director of Technical Service, Mr. Paula Jamis. Paul, it's Friday. This comes out Monday. But once again, the weekend cannot come fast enough. <laughs> That's right. And these Fridays seem to keep coming faster and faster every week. So, yeah, I've been, I've been working on ribs. And I think this weekend I have to unfortunately smoke some more ribs. Oh, it's like I hate it when that happens. I know, and drink some beer summer, summer, summertime, right? That's right. That's like, right. Like like DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince told us way back when. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a long time since I thought about that that little ditty. I heard on the radio the other day, and this is way off topic, but somebody told me that they talked to somebody who didn't realize that Will Smith was a rapper. <laughs> so they must have been under 20 yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah. young person yeah was it billum <laughs> yeah no it wasn't billum <laughs> so anyway how do they get a hold of us paul they can reach us at email they can get us at technical service at carboline.com on twitter you can get jack at jack underscore ctsp and i'm at paul underscore ctsp we're going to kind of expound on a topic that we talked about in episode 15 and 16. We talked about inorganic zincs. And one of the things that we really want to focus in and highlight on is the top coating of inorganic zincs. One of the things that we, if you remember back to 15 and 16, we talked about that the inorganic zinc primers are extremely porous. They sure are, Jack. And one of the things that we notice when with inorganic zinc is they have a high tendency to get dry spray. They have a high tendency to have a lot of air pockets in them. It's a very rough, porous, microscopically surface. And it causes problems when you're trying to overcoat it if you don't take a few precautions to do it. And dry spray actually makes the porosity significantly worse when you're looking at those inorganic zincs. It sure does. And I think back in episodes 15 and 16, that's one of the things we talked about was, you know, you can try screening your zinc, you know, and you can smooth it all down and make sure that you vacuum it off and you want to solvent wipe it and make sure everything's clean. But, but yes, that is the dry spray effect really does. And we're talking about a product that is, you know, the, the cure process is accelerated and completed by the presence of moisture. So, when you're working in a high humidity environment, you know, it's not the normal thought process to say that's going to speed up your cure. But with the zinc, it does. Yeah. And that really makes your dry spray condition even worse. Exactly, Paul. And so one of the things that I always tell people to avoid the dry spray, and it's counterintuitive when you think about it as well, but because it's highly filled. So because these products are highly filled, you think you have to use a lot of pressure to push them out of your spray equipment. But really what you want is low pressure and short target distance. It really is. And and especially when you're working in those conditions where you have humidity or you have warm temperatures, you need to be able to keep that wet and continuous as you're getting it onto the substrate. And don't forget about wind. Wind will bring up your dry spray significantly as well because it'll dry out that atomized spray of that inorganic zinc. Right, because we're talking about products that you know, you're already looking at an 80% solids and we're putting in a zinc content of 80, 85% in the dry film. So you've got nothing but solid on solid in there. There's very little solvent to help keep things wet. Yeah. The, usually the way I oversimplify it is, is when you look at the dry film and there's like 85% zinc, that means in that dry film, there's only 15% of the binder or resin, the, the quote unquote, I oversimplify it to glue holding that zinc together. It really is. And that's why one of the things you see when you do adhesion testing 
inorganic zincs have a lower value than most of the other things we test in the coating industry. And it's because of that, that low resin to, to solids uh, comparison really means that you've got very little glue, like you said, compared to the, to the zinc that's in it. All right, so now let's get back to top coating these products. But when you go to top coat an inorganic zinc, an inorganic zinc should look like a flat or matte coating. It should be uniform in color. If it is not uniform in color or matte across the whole surface, if there's any kind of unevenness, that unevenness is probably dry spray that needs to be screened off. It sure does. And that's a perfect example of it needs to be uniform. And because you will notice as you put these especially thin film top coats, they're going to mirror whatever's underneath it. And so if you had fingers or you had heavy areas or just a bad pattern in your in your spray pattern, those are all going to show through a, a thin film top coat. Okay, so the next thing that you want to take into consideration when you're doing these top coating is they do flash dry really quickly, but that doesn't mean it's cured enough to top coat. Typically, your inorganic zincs take anywhere from... 10 to 18 hours, depending on what inorganic zinc it is, to reach the level of cure that is acceptable for top coat. It really does. That number is going to vary depending on your top coat. Because some of the things that you have to keep in mind, once you put a top coat on there, if you're putting a solvented top coat, the cure of your zinc has stopped. You will no longer have atmospheric moisture and you'll no longer have any oxygen for that process to happen. Cure stops. If you're putting on a water-based top coat, you're adding water to a moisture-cured process. You're spraying an accelerant onto a coating. Correct. And one of the things that happens when you put a water-based top coat onto an inorganic zinc, it is going to accelerate the drying or curing process of that water-based top coat because it's going to suck the moisture in and you're making the zinc cure more. So it's kind of like a double effect that you're getting that you're going to cause it to dry on the top. You're going to cause it to accelerate faster on the bottom, you're going to get more off-gassing. You're going to cause a whole new set of problems that are possible when you put those two together if you don't do it right. The cure is important. So the number one thing that Carboline always recommends is a 2H pencil hardness. Now, so if you're not familiar with the pencil hardness test, basically you get a set of hardness pencils. The lead in these pencils have different levels of hardness. You take a 2H pencil and you rub the surface of the coating. If the coating is marred at all by a 2H pencil, it is not cured enough to top coat. That's right. And what we're trying to make sure is that that process has completed. We want that cure process to go as far into itself as you can before we say it's going to stop or in the case of a water-based top coat, we're going to accelerate it more. The other way to test is an MEK rub test. The Inorganic zinc MEK double rub test we're talking about is ASTM D4752. And that talks about what you should be looking for when you're rubbing an inorganic zinc coating. Lastly, the next way to check the cure of an inorganic zinc is a coin rub test. And this test is outlined in the SSPC PS Guide 8, which is the guide for top coating zinc ridge primer. So that's a good resource on top of this podcast. If you're going to top coat zinc rich primers, the other guide is the SSPC 
PS Guide 12, and that's just the guide to zinc-rich coatings. Both of these guides outline a zinc cure check that you use with a coin. If you rub the edge of the coin on the zinc-rich primer and it burnishes, then the coating is deemed cured. The, the important thing to note is sometimes you'll hear this called the nickel rub test. A nickel is really the better coin to use for this because you want something that's got a smooth edge. If you look at a dime or a quarter, they've got those rigid edges and they're sure. going to tear up your zinc. Absolutely. The cure of the inorganic zinc-rich primer is one of the most important factors when it comes to top coating. The next and probably the most misunderstood part of top coating zinc-rich primers is the mist coat. It really is. This mist coat, usually what you want to look at is over thinning it. So you're going to read a product data sheet for whatever intermediate or epoxy or acrylic or top coat, whatever you're applying to it. And they're going to tell you, you can thin it up to 10% or 7% or you'll see those numbers. That's not talking about how to apply it to an inorganic zinc primer. When you're doing inorganic zinc primer top coats, that mist coat, you want to over thin. So you can talk with somebody, a representative from the paint company. You can call us in tech service. We're typically going to tell you numbers in the neighborhood of 25 to 50% thinning for that mist coat. Because the idea is you want it to be very, very thin. You want a thin coating, but you also want it to be monolithic. You're trying to get it uniform across the whole thing, not full of pinholes and gaps where you missed it. So the important part about this over thinning, it's twofold. Okay, first, the overthinning decreases the viscosity of the material in order for it to flow efficiently into these microscopic pores. When it flows in there, it pushes the air out and the air has to go somewhere. That's the main reason why we want it to be thin. When it flows in, we don't want a big coating on top of it that's going to be blocking that escaping gas. Because that escaping gas doesn't go fast. However, if you overthin the material, the thinner, as it evaporates, has a tendency to grab those air bubbles and take it with it. Now, the other important factor about the thinning is it takes a little bit longer for all of that solvent to get out of that coat. And what you're hoping to do in this process is give everything time. Inorganic zincs, everything you do with them, you have to consider it's going to be a slow process. You need that extra time if you're looking to get an aesthetically pleasing surface when you're done. And then you mentioned translucent. That is a very important part of the mist coat. So your mist coat should be less than one mil thick or 25 microns, and it should be translucent. And the translucent really is just a visual test for you to see that you have thinned the material enough that it is a monolithic film covering that inorganic zinc-rich coating, you want to think it almost like a sealer that you would use on concrete. It really is. And you can think of this as a penetrating sealer. We're penetrating the surface of the zinc. Your top coat material will affect the amount of time that is required between your mist coat and your top coat. With a lot of solvented materials, a handful of minutes is usually enough to, to prevent bubbling in your top coat. Right. Because remember, we talked about once you put a solvented top coat on there, We've stopped the cure process. So your zinc isn't doing anything anymore. We're just trying to get rid of those gases that are trapped. With acrylics, however, it can be important to give that over-thin material an extra time before you top coat. It really is, because like we said, these are moisture-activated cure processes. 
And when you add a water-based substance to it, you're adding more to the cure mechanism. So you may have thought that your zinc was done curing because it passed the nickel rub test or it passed an MEK rub test, but then you add moisture to it. And when you put that water in contact with it and you hold it there because we've overthinned it and we've added a layer that has to evaporate now, that whole process may find some little pockets or some spots in it that's going to cause the reaction to happen a little more fully. If you have high humidity in your area, the time that you have to wait might be shorter. All of your environmentals play a huge part when you're top coating these inorganic zincs. It really does. When you're talking about the hot, humid south, that accelerates the process of your zinc curing, and it's going to slow the process of a water-based top coat cure. But when you go up into the north, you're going to have cooler and drier temperatures. That's going to be detrimental to your zinc, and it's going to be beneficial to your water-based top coat. The problem with it being beneficial to the water-based is it's going to cause it to skin over. And if you had anything trapped beneath it, it's going to cause blisters or bubbles that you're going to see in the film. So let's review here. The two most important things when it comes to top coating inorganic zinc primers is that the inorganic zinc is fully cured. And there's the three different tests to check that. You have your solvent run test, the ASTM D4752. You have the pencil hardness test. And then you also have your SSPC PS Guide 8 and 12 that outline a coin rub test. We recommend using a nickel. After you've established the cure, now we have to make sure that you do the mist coat. And the mist coat's going to be different for each coating, but they're going to be required for no matter what coating you put on top of inorganic zinc. And there are three factors that make a successful mist coat. It needs to be less than 1 mil or 25 microns thick. It needs to be translucent, and it needs to be monolithic. When you put all these factors together, and you do them patiently, properly, you test your results, you're going to end up with a good paint job when you're done. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Monday. Hey guys, what's happening? This is Bill from EHS again. I heard that you guys went up on the roof and threw a watermelon. Um, that's maybe not the most safe thing you, you can do. Um, it's also how you get ants. So if you could not do that again, that would be great. Um, also, one, one more thing. Could you not use my voicemails on your little podcast? It, it's, it's, not a, it's not a great look. Thanks. Absolutely. Who put the line in Carbaline? Who put the line in Carbaline? No matter where I go, they don't know what I mean. I say Carbaline, but they say Carbaline. Absolutely.